Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about what you should be asking your sponsor or general partner if you're an LP and you're hit with a capital call. And capital call is usually a sign that a deal is not going according to plan or that there's some turbulence behind the scenes. Unfortunately, a lot of LPs over the last couple of years have invested in deals that are not going well, where there are capital calls or there is some turbulence. And sponsors are trying to solve problems on the fly here, trying to get deals capitalized to the finish line. And oftentimes that means they're going to their investors and calling more capital. So in this episode, I'm going to make it quick, but I want to talk about the three questions that you have to ask your sponsor or GP if you're an LP and you do get capital called. And there's way more questions you should ask. And a lot of those other questions are going to be specific to the deal, specific to maybe the asset class in which you're investing. Obviously, you're going to ask the GP of a self-storage deal, different deal-specific questions than one who's got a multifamily deal or a mobile home park deal. But I'm going to ask you just the three questions that are universal, regardless of asset class, geography, type of deal, whatever, you should be asking these questions at a bare minimum. And you're typically going to receive some information after asking these three questions that gives you clarity on what you should be doing. First question, you get hit with a capital call, you're an LP, sponsor says they need more money. What's the first question you ask? Are you also contributing capital? And if so, how much? And a side little question to ask as well is, have you made any member loans or GP loans to the deal yet? Basically, your goal here is to figure out how much more skin in the game the sponsor is bringing. There isn't a right answer to this question, but what you should be trying to decipher is, is this GP or sponsor bringing an amount of capital into this deal that is meaningful to them? If you're looking at a I don't know, a $50 million deal and you're getting capital called and the sponsor is bringing a hundred grand, you know, 50 million, maybe it's $15 million worth of equity that capitalized it, $20 million, something like that. And the sponsor is bringing another hundred K. That's not really that meaningful, right? In terms of what they should be co-investing in terms of what you would hope that they would have behind the scenes available to them. Compare that to a deal, a 10 unit deal where you invested, I don't know, alongside a few other people, Total equity raises 500 grand and the sponsor's bringing 100. Well, that's pretty meaningful. That's a meaningful amount of equity, right? So this is going to be a deal-dependent answer as it relates to what makes you feel comfortable. But you just want to get a sense that they are bringing more dough to the deal, that they're putting more of their own capital on the line. And then the member loan piece of that equation is, it's a red flag to me personally, if a sponsor just goes right to a capital call without personally making member loans to the entity. And a member loan is a loan that a GP makes to the entity, 123 Main Street LLC, that you know, that basically the entity that everybody invested in that's participating in the deal to help act as a stopgap, right? Let's say went over budget on the renos, ran out of cash, and the sponsor needs another million dollars, right? But they're gonna they're gonna need it over a certain period of time. And 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 you know, maybe there's some He's not really ready to go back to LPs and ask for capital yet. So he or she personally puts up a member loan of 250 to keep the deal rolling while they're trying to buy time to figure out what the right decision is, while they're trying to figure out the right amount of capital to call. But they've also but they've stepped up and acted as that first line of defense, right? They've made that member loan. They haven't gone to their investors yet. 
that's a good sign. You want to see that before you're in a situation where a sponsor is just going right back to their LPs to ask for more. So different answers are going to mean different things depending on the deal you're in, depending on the sponsor, depending on the size, but you just want to see the LP bringing more. To give you an example, I personally invested in an LP in a deal where the sponsor hit everybody with a capital call. And I asked how much have you put in? They said a hundred grand, which was an incredibly small amount of the deals required equity. And it was such a small number that I said, I'm just not going to contribute, right? I'm just not contributing more. You can dilute me. And I'm going to get to one of the, you know, a question of my honorable mentions here as it relates to what happens if you don't say, or if you don't contribute, right? Because that's important to figure out. And I was more comfortable with being diluted and mentally separating myself from the capital I had already invested comparatively to the situation where I was chasing more because I didn't even feel comfortable with the sponsor, the sponsor's personal financial situation and what they were bringing to the table. Second question, what is this capital being used for? What, like, why are we being capital called? And, and, and then a sponsor should be communicating that as they're communicating the need for more dough, but you really want to get specific on this. Is this money going to be used to continue executing the business plan and performing renovations? Is this money going to be used to buy another rate cap, right? To continue hedging our interest rate. Is this capital going to be used to, as a cash in when we're doing a refinance, because we're doing a cash in refi. We we currently owe more than what another lender is willing to give us on a refi. So we're going to need to bring money to a refinance to get out of our current debt and, and to get into new debt. Is that what we're using the capital for? Is it used for some other reason, right? I don't know. Maybe insurance costs have gone bananas, right? And we just need money in the operating account to continue funding the short-term NOI shortfall, right? We're not able to cover our debt on the shortfall, but we're just, we want to raise 12 more months of, you know, basically a burn in terms of what we have on debt service, what we're producing on a monthly basis NOI. We want to give us another 12 months of runway to buy us enough time to make more, you know, another decision down the line. So get very clear because the answer is important. You might be throwing good capital after bad, for example, in a hypothetical of you're in a, you were in a heavy value add, Sponsor went over on their on they went over their capex budget, ran out of dough. You need to determine whether or not the business plan even made sense to begin with. Like, if the sponsor originally projected 15k per unit in renos, and now you're at twenty five thousand dollars per unit in renos, and the sponsor is also not achieving the rents that they thought they were going to achieve on the back end of that deal, maybe they're only getting two grand instead of the twenty two fifty twenty three hundred they projected. Well, the business plan might have just been completely wrong, period. And there's, you know, investing more capital into that business plan may not make sense, even if it's required in order to see the project through. It's probably a situation where you just got to say goodbye to the capital you've already invested. Alternatively speaking, if we're trying to do a cash and refi to get out of a really bad mortgage and a really bad piece of debt into a better one, and the actual economics of the property still makes sense, we're coming in under budget on our renos, we're exceeding our rent numbers, NOI is growing, occupancy is high, delinquency is low, all of that. And the issue was capital structure and the debt. That's a bit of a different decision, right? The property's good. The market's good. The property's producing. We just, we use floating rate debt. We got out over our skis and we just want to go get into a fixed rate product. And once we do get into this new loan, we're going to be in a good position, right? Well, that's a different conversation than the first one. So you want to be, you want to understand what the capital is being used for. Third question, is this enough capital to get us to the finish line? Like, is this a temporary band-aid or is this a more permanent surgery? So this is really important because this might be the biggest question out of all of them. I should have led with this one, to be honest. 
A lot of sponsors are going to ask for the absolute bare minimum they need to keep the project going because it's an easier conversation. That's a less stressful conversation, right? You're asking for less money. Therefore, it's less stressful. But you may be contributing more capital to a deal that needs more even above and beyond that, right? So this is one where you really need to pull the thread with whoever your sponsor is. You really need to dissect the deal here. If it's going to be used for CapEx, okay, is this an, is, is this the total CapEx budget required to finish the project? And are you also calling more contingency funds to really make sure we have enough? Is this enough to, you know, I, I mentioned an example a second ago. Maybe the NOI is a little bit too low because insurance went crazy and you're kind of breaking even on the debt, if not a little bit short. But hey, you think the you think insurance costs are going to come down? You think rents are going to keep going up? You think your NOI is going to continue to grow and you think you're going to be in a better spot in 12 months? Okay, are we raising enough capital to get us past 12 months? Maybe, maybe it makes sense to raise even more to get us to 18 to really make sure we're in a good position, right? Some sponsors might only raise enough to get another six or nine months of runway. So you really need to be comfortable with how much capital is being called relative to what the actual needs are within the project. Because the worst position you want to find yourself in as an LP is you contribute more and then you're asked again in six months, right? Because the first one was kind of a Band-Aid and the sellers, or not the seller, the uh, sponsor is a little too nervous to just ask for the full amount up front, which that's, there's a lot of sponsors that fall into that boat because a lot of people are too afraid to have these really difficult conversations. And those are the three big ones. The honorable mention that I was going to, that I alluded to earlier was what happens if I don't contribute, right? You may have to go back and look at the operating agreement for the deal, the PPM. In all likelihood, you're just going to be, your ownership percentage will be diluted if other people contribute or if they go out and raise more capital from even from, from new investors, your ownership percentage just might be diluted as a result of you not contributing. That's, that's typically what's most common. But there may be some other ramifications specific to your deal or the financial arrangement with your sponsor that you need to go look at. But it's important to understand what happens if you don't, right? Because again, that's going to affect your decision. If there are really catastrophic consequences to not contributing more capital, well, that may be a different ballgame to than if you're just simply diluted and you know you your equity share has gone down a little bit. And the deal that I didn't contribute, you know, I just know that I was going to be diluted. And I was fine with that. I already mentally had separated myself from that investment anyways. That that was burned. You know what? Hey, you win some, you lose some. We lost that one. We won a bunch of other ones in the aggregate. We're still up, right? And the last little piece of advice I'll give is you need to think about, you need to really remember the, the sunk cost fallacy. Money that you've already invested is no longer yours, right? And while there could be an argument to chasing that capital with more capital in a deal that's gone wrong where you're being capital called, you really need to make sure that the likelihood of recouping your original investment is high, right? And when you're capital called, you need to you need to objectively look at the investment as a new investment because that's fundamentally what it is. Very similar concept to playing poker, for example. The money you put in pre-flop, for all the poker people out there that get this analogy, maybe this is going to whiff most of the people listening, who knows? But if you commit a lot of capital, commit a lot of chips to the pot before the flop comes out, and then the flop comes out and it doesn't help you, you can't go chasing the money that you've already put in the pot. That's money you've already separated yourself from. And now you're having to make a decision with a new set of information. If you're holding pocket queens and the flop comes ace-king-10, oh, maybe you have equity, right? Because you could hit a jack. But ace-king-2, and you think the other player has an ace or a king, you're not chasing the money you've already put into the pot. You're probably letting it go and you're probably living to fight another day on a new hand, right? And the same concept applies to doing deals. So 
Hopefully this episode is helpful for LPs out there that are maybe facing some of these challenges. And even if you're not, I hope you learned something here as it relates to investing in the future and thinking about questions you should ask sponsors on deals where maybe you're not getting great news. And if you did learn something, please leave the show a rating and review. If you know somebody in your network who passively invests, even if they're not in any deals that are going wrong that you know of, please consider sharing this episode with them to better equip them in the event that maybe they're in a deal that's got some turbulence. But again, thank you all for listening and I'll catch you guys on the next episode. 